seated. Good worship today. Thank you, Spirit of Grace. And Barb is sick today, so thank you, Ron, for carrying the weight of the melody today with the guitar. And we welcome again all of you here today. What a great joy to have you here. Today is Christ the King Sunday. How many of you knew that? You got up this morning, you're like, hey, it's Christ the King Sunday. Can't wait to get to church. Been looking forward to this all week long, this special day in the liturgical year, right? Right. Christ the King Sunday. Today, God has directed me toward Psalm 24, to Psalm 24. And uh, so I would like to read that for you. And let me just grab that here. It's a psalm written by David, the very person that I was named after. Let me share with you verses 1 through 10. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. He will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God his Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we come to you this morning on a kind of a snowy holiday weekend to worship you because it's what we do on Sundays. Lord, we want to be here. We are here because you are here and your people are here. And so, Lord, would you come and simply work through us today. Work through this message, through the preaching of it, Lord. Oh, God, would you come and help us to understand what it is that, that you want us to understand today. And so, Lord, would you come, bring healing, bring peace, bring challenge and encouragement and exhortation where needed. But, Lord, may you be glorified in all that we do here today. This we ask and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, when you hear the word kingdom, what comes to mind? What do you think of? What, maybe if you're from the neighborhood here, you think of Castle Hill Kingdom, the playground for the old elementary school just up the street here. 
Maybe if you're old enough to remember, you might think of Marlon Perkins and Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. Uh, remember that television show, Sunday Nights? Anybody ever watch that? That was a staple at the Vanetten home, and uh, love watching all those wild animals. Maybe when you hear the word kingdom, you think of the magic kingdom uh, of Disney World, right? Down in Orlando, Florida. Anybody ever go there? I have yet to go there, but boy, I would like to. Maybe you think of the United Kingdom of Great Britain. When you think of the word king, what associations do you have? Do you think of Old Testament kings like Ahab or Hezekiah or Jehoiakim? Maybe you think of King Saul or King David or King Solomon. Maybe you think of King Richard or King Charles or King Philip. If you watch TV, you might be thinking King of Queens. If you are hungry, you might be thinking Burger King. But today, on this Christ the King Sunday, I invite you to consider the kingdom of God. What does it mean that Jesus is king? Psalm 95, verse 3 says, The Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. Ephesians 1 says, God has raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, from every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. In Revelation 17, 14 says, Jesus is Lord of lords and King of kings. Psalm 24, our passage today, asks, who is he, the King of glory? And then answers, the Lord Almighty, he is the King of glory. How many of you know Jesus is King and Lord? Amen? Praise God for that. The question today is, what does it mean for you and me personally and practically that Jesus is King? That he is the Lord of all. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Is that something we celebrate? Is that something we're terrified of, his kingship and the kingdom of God? Well, I want to share with you three good news reasons why Jesus as king is a, is a very, very good thing. And because Jesus is God, what we say of Jesus can also be said of God the Father. Amen? This is a holy trinity. So, number one, Jesus as king means that God is in control. Say it with me. God is in control. Psalm 24, verses 1 and 2, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who runs the world? Sorry, Beyonce, not girls. But God runs the world. He's in charge. Psalm 93, 1, The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Ephesians 1.22, And God placed all things under his feet, that is Jesus' feet, and appointed him, Jesus, to be the head over everything for the church. And Jesus himself says in Matthew chapter 10, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your Father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Do you know what this means? Do you know what good news this is? It means that every little detail of your life, even the tiniest detail, is held perfectly and securely in God's hands. You're waking, you're sleeping, 
your talking, your travels, your relationships, those who come into your life and those who leave, your family, your friends, and even your foes, what has happened, what happens today, and what will happen. David wrote in Psalm 139, You know, Lord, when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out, my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. For all the days ordained for me were written in your book before even one of them came to be. Friends, you are held perfectly and securely in God's hands. In this world, because God is sovereign, there are no accidents from God's point of view. This includes your gains, your losses, your happy times, your heartbreaking times, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Even your salvation is held in God's hands. Jesus says in John 10, My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Friends, your life, your salvation, your future, this world, Grace Church, is all held in God's precious hands. There's nothing that we go through that hasn't already been ordained or somehow approved by the loving hands of God. You know, life is not easy. Things can be unsettling at times. We don't always like it that way. We don't always know why. We wish it were otherwise. But, you know, God is still in control. God has a plan. He's working all things together for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose, is Romans 8, 28. Uh, some of you know I've been going through a few things lately, and some of you have too, I'm sure. And um, I had a dream a week ago Saturday. It was something that I had never dreamt before. Sometimes you have repetitive dreams. This was a repetitive dream, but I, it happened twice in the same night. And I never had it before. It was a strange dream. I was, I was kind of being wafted along on, on kind of a top of a, of a giant rock cliff or kind of a mountainous area. And uh, I came right up to the edge of a giant cliff. It was like standing on the edge maybe of the Grand Canyon, only it just seemed deeper. I couldn't even see the bottom, and I was right on the edge. And I don't know if it was my momentum or if somehow I was forced off, but I, I, I fell. I fell off the cliff into this, this chasm, and I was, I was free-falling. I was free-falling, and, and it, was, it was terrifying. I mean, it was crazy, and, and uh, again, I had the same dream twice, and, and as I was falling and just free-falling, and, and, and suddenly, a kind of peace came over me, and I realized that God had me. It was kind of like God's bungee cord was holding on to me. And I just, I felt that. I felt like I was, like there was a bungee cord somehow on my feet now. And I was going to be, I was going to be okay. I was just going to kind of come and, you know, maybe kind of bounce up a little bit. You know, have anybody gone bungee cord? I've never done that. I know I have no desire. <sighs> Big giant rubber band, you know. I, you know, I, but God, it was like God's bungee cord and God himself were, were sustaining me and holding me up and, and, and saying to me, Dave, I've, I've got you. You're, this is not going to kill you. You're not going to crash to your death, you know, uh, on the rocks below that, that I've got you. 
And I just felt, even as I was falling, sort of a peace that came over me. And this dream is so vivid, I can still picture it today in my brain, in my eye. I can, I can still kind of see what this looked like twice. I think God is saying to me, Dave, I've got you. Pastor, I've got you. And if he's saying that to me, you know what? I think he's saying that to you. I think God wants me to share this with you today. And I think he's saying to you and to Grace Church as a whole, I've got you. I've got you. And you may be going through hard stuff. You may be going through difficult times in your life. And, and there may be things that didn't work out quite the way that you would hope. But you know what? God has got this. May we just trust him. May we trust him and walk forward. Because he is sovereign, he's in control. Jesus as king means that God is in control. Amen? Amen. Number two, Jesus as king means that God is compassionate. Say it with me. God is compassionate. Back to our passage, verses 3 through 6 now. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false, he will receive blessing from the Lord and vindications from God his Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. Friends, God knows we're not perfect. He knows I'm not perfect. He knows you're not perfect. Perfect. That's why he sent Jesus Christ into, his, into this world to die for us so that those who believe in him shall not die but have everlasting life. And yet, even in our sinfulness, with a reasonable amount of cooperation and dedication to the Lord, by keeping your hands clean and your heart pure to the best of your ability and not giving yourself to idols, God will bless those who seek to follow him. I'm convinced of it. You don't have to be perfect to get a blessing from God. And God always demonstrates blessing and favor to those who trust Him, who seek to walk in His way, who seek His face, the God of Jacob, as our passage just said. Remember the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, verses 2 through 6. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children of the sin to the fathers of the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing love to thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. Did you catch that? Did you notice the difference? God is punishing the fathers to the third and fourth generations for their sins, but God is blessing to a thousand generations those who love him and keep his commands. It's not even commensurate. It's not even proportionate. The grace, the goodness, the compassion of God far outweighs the judgment That's grace, that's mercy, that's compassion. You know, God often gets a bad name, a bad rap. People see him as a kind of cosmic killjoy up in the sky that's kind of looking down upon us. And anytime somebody kind of steps out of line or breaks the law, you know, God is kind of like stomping them out or you're having too much fun over there. You know, God is this strict kind of harsh judge in the sky. And yes, God is angry towards sin, but God loves the sinner. And let's make that distinction because we're all sinners. 
God is a God who comes and finds a way to save the sinner. 1 John 3.16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for all. That's the compassion of Jesus, of God at work. In fact, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, that's you and me, all of us, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not die, but have everlasting life. Friends, that's compassion. That is the compassion of God at work, giving us something we don't deserve. That's grace and mercy, avoiding what we do deserve, which is punishment, even death. You know, I have absolutely loved watching season one of the Chosen series with you in our small groups. We just finished it up the other week, and uh, what a blessing this series was. I was a little skeptical of it at first, you know. I thought, well, you know, they always take some creative licensing, and it's important that we remember that it's not the Bible, it's not our new Bible, and this is not the Jesus, and, and, uh, but I do love the way that Jonathan Rami portrays Jesus in this film, and some of you who've seen it, you, you know what I'm talking about. The face of God, the compassion in the eyes of Jesus in this film. How Jesus extends compassion to Mary Magdalene, to a leper, to Simon, to a paralytic, to Nicodemus, to the Samaritan woman at the well. It's so powerful. It's moving. I mean, I have to start bringing tissues. It's an excellent portrayal of the compassion of Jesus for his people and especially the outcast. So stay tuned for season two. We'll do that in February. We'll start that. But friends, we can see God's compassion portrayed in the love and the face of Jesus. Jesus is the exact representation of God. Jesus is compassionate, therefore God is compassionate too. Amen? Amen. And no matter what you are going through, you can go to God with any trouble, any problem, any sin, any addiction, any struggle, any doubts, any fears, anything at all, and you may find mercy and forgiveness and healing and a fresh new start in Jesus. Hebrews 4 says it well. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us in our weakness. No, we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet was without sin. So let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace also to help us in our time of need. Jesus is king means that God, like Jesus, is in control, and God, like Jesus, is compassionate. He stands ready to forgive. He stands ready to receive you. He stands ready to love you. Amen? That's good news. Jesus is king means that God is in control, means God is compassionate. Thirdly, Jesus is king means that God is coming. Say it with me. God is coming. Psalm 24 now, verses 7 and 8. Lift up your gates, or your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, 
that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. The imagery here is of an assembly of Israelites gathered at the city gates to welcome and celebrate the arrival of their glorious king back from battle into the city after having triumphed over his enemies. It is a victory parade, a celebration of the king and his army as they return to their city, his resting place. The gates of the city are personified as having heads that are lifted up and also taking part in this great celebration of their glorious and victorious king. Oh, lift up your heads, oh you gates, lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Friends, our victorious king is coming. God is coming in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if I go prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may be where I am also. We've been talking a lot about this lately. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, it says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven and a loud command in the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God. In Revelation 1, 7, Behold, he is coming from the, with the clouds. From every eye will see him, even those who pierced him in all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen. Friends, God is coming through the person of Jesus. Why? God is coming to judge the living and the dead, to gather believers to himself, to set up his eternal kingdom of righteousness and peace for all, to establish the complete and physical reign of Jesus on earth. This means sin will completely and finally be wiped away. The devil will be destroyed. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for God himself will be with us. And hurt and heartache will be gone for good. Amen? The seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there were voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he will reign forever and ever. Amen? I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that day. I bet you are too. It's going to be a great and glorious day for those who believe in Jesus. And guess what? If God is coming again to set things right, it means that I don't have to. It means that God will work toward justice and righteousness always. And yes, we always work toward justice and righteousness. We always want to hold each other accountable. We're always striving to live better lives and to obey the word of God. We hold our brothers and sisters accountable. Of course we do, but it just means in the final analysis, it's really not up to me. It's really up to God and his spirit. It's God's work. God will see things through. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And God will judge, so we don't have to. Let us be loving, faithful, and ready. Jesus as king means that God is in control. God is compassionate. God is coming. 
In the early 90s, when I served as a missionary to Cambodia, I had the opportunity to go with a few friends on a little vacation time into Thailand, which is a beautiful country, and spend some time uh, down in Hua Hin along a beach resort there, and a little time in Bangkok, and it was just a great time. And one of the things that just impressed me so much about the people of the kingdom of Thailand was the profound respect that they had for their king. Now, it's somewhat of a, you know, a kingship, so, um, you know, they, you couldn't, you know, if the money, you weren't supposed to drop money on the ground, it had the picture of the king on it, you know, that was illegal, you couldn't say anything uh, derogatory about the king in public, you could be jailed for that, and, you know, so it was a little heavy-handed, too, but I remember watching a movie once, going, I had some time to kill, and I went to to see Pearl Harbor in Thailand, of all places, the first, remember when Pearl Harbor came out? And um, I went into the theater, I got my popcorn, and all of a sudden, you know, there's a few previews, and then all of a sudden, everybody stood up. Some music played, and everybody stood up, and I'm like, what's going on here? I, I, I better stand up too, you know, so I did. And uh, their national anthem played, and pictures of their king kind of scrolled across the screen. And everybody stood up, and it was actually, it was kind of moving, the intense pride that they had in their king and in the kingdom of Thailand. And it made me wonder, it makes me wonder, how do we pay tribute to King Jesus today? It's so easy to say, Jesus is Lord, we sing He is Lord, Jesus is King. It's, you know, we profess it, right? That's pretty easy. We can, the words can roll off our lips. We can sing about it as we did this morning, as we will. But what about in your heart? Could we honor Jesus better? Could we honor Jesus more in our worship? May our worship be more focused. May our worship be more in tune with God and not distracted by other things, but, but really focused on giving God the glory. When you come to Sunday morning, that you want to give Him the very best that you can. May your singing be not just going through the motions or mouthing words, but may our singing actually be from the heart as we vocalize our praises through the songs that are presented. How about your service to God, the King Jesus? Could our service, could we step it up a notch? Could we, could we serve Him more passionately and more determined? What about our prayers, our personal life, our lifestyle? Could we honor Jesus more in our lives? Who is this king of glory? This king that's returning. This king that has defeated all of the enemies. The Lord Almighty, he is the king of glory. May we lift up the gates and the doors of our hearts to receive him anew today. Let's do it. Let's do it. We can do it. I know we can. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for an opportunity to worship you, an opportunity to acknowledge that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, forgive us when we fall short, when we fail. Forgive us, Lord, when we don't always live the way you would want us to. 
Maybe when we make bad choices or poor decisions, when we do things that are not holy and pleasing to you and not helpful to others or ourselves. So, Lord, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Would you reign in this place? Would you reign in our hearts? Would you reign in our church, Lord, in every way? We ask it in your holy name. Amen. Please rise and join us as we worship the King of kings, the Lord of lords. the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one, God of glory.